Ladies and gentlemen, the tiny DevOps guy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tiny DevOps, the show where we believe you don't need a thousand engineers to do world-class DevOps. I'm your host, Jonathan Hall, and today uh, we're doing a replay of a interactive YouTube live stream I did a few weeks ago with children's author Miriam Tosino. Uh, so although parts of it were visual at the time, I really don't think that will detract too much if you're just listening to this. Uh, I hope you enjoy. I have with me today, Miriam Tosino. I called or I, I sent her a message. I asked her if she would join me on my podcast as a guest to talk about uh, the, the work she does. She's a children's author. Um, she writes books about technology for children. And I thought it would be great to have her on my podcast to talk about communicating with children, especially those of us who have children, and it's difficult to maybe describe our, our daily work to our children. And she said, no, I don't want to be on your podcast. I want to do a live webinar instead or a live, a live workshop. So, so here we are. <laughs> That's what I said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do a workshop here. Uh, but before we do that, Miriam, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and, and maybe why you know something about communicating with children about computers. Okay, so first of all, thank you for having me, Jonathan. This is gonna be so fun. Okay, so you know how our children are growing up surrounded by technology and it is everywhere and they feel naturally attracted to it from a very young age, but they know very, very, very little about what's behind it. So who could, how could we introduce them into the world of technology in a way that is easy and accessible so they have a more active relationship with the world of technology. And at the same time, it is fun and exciting and everyone gets, you know, like these little bumps in the inside of them when talking about it. And um, as parents, I think it's our responsibility to share with them what technology is and how it works. It is part of their upbringing. It is not anymore about something that they are not going to see in their whole life, but it is, as I said, it is everywhere. Like it is our responsibility to grab these in the hand and say like, what's inside, you know, like what's inside and how it works. And the reason is, and we know this as tech people here, right? That understanding computers is a superpower. It is a powerful tool that will help them express themselves and create their own world in whatever way they choose. Not all of them need to become a programmer, right? But that little understanding will be it can become an important part of our lives. And that's why it is important that we come up with ways to reach them and inspire that curiosity and make them excited about it. So four years ago, when I had my baby, I have a little boy, I started thinking about how I'd like to introduce him to the world of computers, to the world of technology. I've been working as a software developer myself and also as a programming teacher for several years. And I wanted to bring some of the elements that I used in my teaching into people's homes and help them open up the conversation around technology. So one night, well, my whole vision for it is like just to give people an idea, like I sat down and I said, Miriam, how can I get, how can you get parents talking about technology in bed with their children? to make them curious about it and create an emotional connection with computers. So my whole point was like, we were surrounded by children's books about farms and animals. And I, I bet you know what I'm talking about. And I said like, look, but they are all surrounded by technology. Cannot we just switch between those books? And then one day we read them about animals and farms. And then the other day we read them about computers. And 
So to bring that at the same level. So one night together with my husband, who is a game programmer, we started saying, wouldn't it be cool if a writing story is happening inside a computer about how computers do math or graphics or how the internet works? And what if they were told by a zero or no one? And they could live in the binary world. And uh, that's how Therese and Ona were born. They are the main two characters of a picture book series that I write and I illustrate. And uh, they are a zero and a one and uh, with red pockets and uh, they live inside your computers. I, I, I own a couple copies of your books and they're, they're beautifully illustrated. They're, they're fun stories and uh, your, your personality, your, your, your shining personality shows through in the books too. So it, it's really great. Let's begin. So these two that you are seeing here are Therus and Ona. Remember, they are the ones with the red pockets, like zeros is a zero, Ona is a one, and they are a boy and a girl. So everybody can identify with the characters. And this is the binary world inside your computer, together with a lot of, they, the, that's where they live, and uh, with a lot of zeros and ones. That's how they spend their days. And these zeros and ones are also known as bits. And they make sure that our computers, our tablets, our phones work and know how to do all the amazing things that they do. But here's the thing. Reading Therus Anona is just the beginning. What I want to help you with is to create at home an imaginarium inside computers where you can make up your own stories and guide the characters as you want. I believe that's where the magic happens because that's when we do it with them. And that's when we create that emotional connection that I was talking about before. And that's actually why I proposed Jonathan to do a rehearse to do with you today and create a little story together. And because this is a DevOps channel, I thought we could talk about servers. I remember the first time that Jonathan and I connected to prepare for the workshop. You mentioned that part of your job is load balancing my SQL servers. That's what you said? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And uh, when I heard that, those, like, those were the words in our conversation that I said, okay, you know what? We need to do something about that. Like, imagine that you've been working for that day and then uh, you've been load balancing my SQL servers and your little one comes and says, like, what did you do to that today? Dad, what do you do to that today, mom? And I think as, especially as parents in tech, we have the possibility of turning that moment into something that they can bring with them and remember for the rest of their lives. So I said like, okay, what if we turn the answer into a story? That's what we are trying to do at home at the moment with our four year old. And uh, it is really magical to see what those tiny moments that in another scenario, they wouldn't be anything, right? Like they turn, in that in those, they turn into those inspiring moments with their kid. And, you know, he starts jumping, he starts running, he starts like, you know, like putting his hands up and, you know, having all these crazy ideas. So we are, we are really seeing in real life that like this is, this is working, right? So mm -hmm. tips for creating an awesome story. Uh, first, you start with something that they already know and that they can relate to. That's very important. So if you'd say like, hey, I've been load balancing my SQL servers, okay. You keep that in mind you know, and say, okay, how can I bring this into something that my kid lived um, maybe um, for the past two days, right? And I thought about this example uh, of load balancing and uh, doing some research on it and thinking about, okay, what, what is the experience that Kay had, Kay is my child, Kay had 
that it's close to maybe the topic. And I thought like, there was a time like two days ago when he sent a voice message to his best friend, Alvaro, and uh, he wanted him to come to play. And I said, okay, why don't you send this, mess this voice message? I give you the phone, you know? And then he, you know, well, like sent it to him, click send. And then uh, Alvaro got the message and he came to play. And I'd say, okay, re okay, remember that voice message that you sent to Alvaro? Where, where did that go? And then we go on and then maybe he has already some ideas because we've been implementing these ideas slowly, little by little, right? And he already knows who are Terusanona, where they live and all the things that they do. So it might be that he already says that, but otherwise I'd say like, look, maybe, they, maybe it was Terusanona, right? Like, uh -huh. and we take it from here, right? Like he, nice. often, he often has very crazy ideas. And I'd say like, where, where are Terusanona? Okay. So that's it, like that's the first step. Try to look for that connection that they say like, ah, you know, so they can bring it. And then the nice thing, it's like next time that they send a voice message to Alvaro, <laughs> it's say like, hey, let's call Perezonona so they can bring it. And then you make it more relatable even like again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now that you connected the story with something that your child can relate to, you need some characters, you need a place, and here's the beginning of a possible story that I brainstormed uh, yesterday. So the characters, Cerus and Ona, the place, a cloud server. We said, we're gonna talk about servers. And the beginning of the story could be something like, Ona, we just received a new voice message. What should we do about it? What should we do with it? And then Ona says like, give me a nanosecond, Cerus because you know time goes very fast inside your computer right. i'm balancing my load you know and then she's maybe <laughs> you know like trying to to handle all those requests that maybe you know and then you start introducing requests and this is what we're gonna do first it comes a moment with the brainstorming yeah we're gonna do some brainstorming together and coming up with different ideas about what's going on actually and what's the trip that that voice message makes from the moment that Kay sends it via my phone and lands in Alvaro's ear. And then we have six pages of a book to sketch together. But first, let's start with some brainstorming. Some prompts that I prepared were, are, where does your voice message um, go after you hit send on your phone? Does it go into space? Or maybe um, the internet? And then that prompt only can lead you to an amazing kind of the story. Or you mm -hmm. go on and you say, what's in there? A server farm? If you want to introduce the idea of servers and load balancing from the back of the map. Okay, yeah. Is there someone waiting for your request? And if yes, who's that? Okay. Okay. So yeah. here is where I need your help. All right. Uh, because you are the expert here. So the question is, what happens when you when you hit send on your on your voice message? Where was the first place it goes? Right. Yes, exactly. So there's going to be a server. It's going to be a server. Again. There's a server somewhere that receives that message. Uh huh. And its job is basically to to capture that message and and then send it on somewhere else to probably another server. Uh, but it's going to capture that message, make sure it's received, and that it got the whole thing, and not just the first 10 seconds, for example, it got the whole thing. 
uh, and then it will, yeah, try to send it on to the, uh, uh, well, it, it, it depends which application we're using. If we're using WhatsApp, for example, then uh, WhatsApp controls the entire connection. So it receives the connection, it receives the, the message, uh, and then it will attempt to contact the recipient's telephone, make sure it's online. If it is, then it will send the message to that person. If they're not online, then it will hold that message for indefinitely until they come back online again. Okay, so there is a server. Let's say then that the first thing it's a phone, right? Like it goes out from my phone, from the phone, it goes to the server, right? Correct. And what's in the server? Hard drives, um, CPUs. It, it's, it's basically a, a really expensive computer like the one you have at home. It's like your MacBook or your, your desktop computer, but a really expensive version that's probably much louder and faster. Okay, uh, question here, like, uh, because I have done some research. Uh, mm -hmm. Is there a load balancer? Probably, almost certainly. In, in this case, there's there's going to be, yes, a load balancer. There's probably hundreds, if not thousands, of actual servers uh, that are are waiting to receive your, your voice message. OK, so here's K, right? K sends mm -hmm. that voice message. And then it lands somewhere that we're going to call a load balancer. Yeah. Yeah. So the load balancer won't actually store the voice message. It just redirects the request to the server that stores it. So the load balancer gets the request. It says, oh, there's a voice message from from, from whoever. whomever. Uh -huh. We need to send it to, we need to choose a server and send it there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, now you have your, so, your six servers there and you're going to send it to one of them. It's like, okay. And then the load balancer, it's like, um, it can be like a traffic cop, right? Like he's the one yeah. redirecting kind of. And then there is a server farm, I mm -hmm. call it server pool, right? Like mm -hmm. I, yeah. when we talked about it, I said like, Jonathan, I like the, the farm analogy because then one night you read about farms and animals and, and then there's also like these server farms that actually kids can relate to. I, I don't know if you invented the term server farm, or if you found it, but that's a common term that we actually use in the industry. So I found it. Yeah, yeah like okay. uh, yeah, like during my research. And then it clicked and I said, like, yeah. hey, we're gonna go for that. Good. Um someone in the chat said in the load balancer, there is a bit that is an operator telling other bits where to go. That can be it. And maybe those are Terus and Ona. That's where the beginning okay. of the story for me was like, hey, Ona was like balancing mm -hmm. the load, right? Like yeah, perfect. The load is all like like K. There are a lot of other kids, right? Yeah. Like sending all those voice messages into the thing. Okay, once we have the uh, server farm, like once the request landed one of our servers, mm -hmm. let it let go. So it's gonna that, that server is gonna hold it mm -hmm. until it's done delivering. So that server is then going to try to connect to the uh, what was the friend's name again? Alvaro. Alvaro. So it's gonna try to contact Alvaro's phone. Uh -huh. And so, is maybe he's sleeping and his phone is turned off, so it cannot connect. So it's just going to hold that message until he wakes up and turns his phone on again. Okay, well, so here's Alvaro. It can be uh -huh. that the messages stay here for a little yep. while. And then, if, so the server 
is the one sending like let's call it the response right like that's the response instead of coming back to you like it's going to someone else right so so, so technically there, there's there's uh there's two requests and two responses in this there's probably much more than that but two that we care about so when when your son sends the message that's the request of course and the server will send a response that says okay i got your message you can trust me i will deliver it and if you're using whatsapp you'll see that that check mark right that little gray check marks says the server received the response okay so there is a response coming back to k yep and there is a response going then, back then to the, alvaro. then then the server makes a new request to alvaro that says ah. i have something for you okay so the server okay. sends a request to alvaro says i have a message for you if alvaro's phone responds and says yes i'm ready then it will send the, the the message and then the phone eventually will say thank you i got the entire message and that's the response to the server the server gets that response and says okay i delivered the message i can delete the, the copy i have but i'm going to send a new response uh to Cade that says make that check mark blue now okay Awesome. I think this is a great example and also kids will relate to that. And also I like what Andreina says in the chat. Like she says that it's an orchestra director. That can also be Oh, it. that's great. So yeah. instead of a farmer, it's a, an orchestra director. And, and, then, and you know, we, we actually use the term server orchestration. Okay, this was meant to be. Okay, that's so perfect. actually we could have even like an orchestra director taking care of a server farm. And then we have like two different kind of things that kids can mm -hmm. relate to because then it's like you're you're doing music right like with your mm -hmm. code i like that analogy mm -hmm. because also there is a lot of going on between music and programming and how programming is music and all like those those people will be very happy <laughs> with this example yes. and then but the farm also makes it relatable with the kids so let's go for an orchestra director and uh, once we know Okay, so we brainstorm like what's going on, the different elements that we're gonna have in the story. Then I come here and I said like, okay, I would say maybe our story can start in the load balancer. How's the load balancer? What is it? Physically, it's, it's another server. It's uh, another it, server. It, it, it's, it servers all the way down. But we said there's we but, said that they are also like orchestra directors. Yeah, right? we mentioned like, orchestra directors are traffic cops, so we so, can do it either way yeah our traffic cops but i'd say okay maybe we start like in the left is zeros and in the right it's ona okay. okay maybe and then ona if she's like balancing those loads like she's maybe here and then it's like you know like just moving a lot and then Therus yeah. as well Therus maybe has like how do you say that in english like what you use like to play music okay. like the, uh, a baton yeah a baton, baton. yeah Okay, so maybe Pedros is the one with a baton. And then Ona maybe is dancing, you know, like handling all those requests, you know, like maybe all those requests are landing to her. She has like many different, like that would be something, right? Like yeah. that you can. And then also what I try to do with all the stories with Kay is to make them very physical. Okay. Because then when kids move, right, like, and then he would start doing like this, you know, and then he's like, I'm handling requests, I'm handling requests, I'm handling requests, you know, that <laughs> makes a connection with the whole story. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what are those requests? In, oh. in my books, sometimes they are paper planes, okay. requests are paper planes, like it's data and information, other times are envelopes. There, if we're talking about WhatsApp, 
I don't, I don't know if we are, but if we're talking about WhatsApp, then there are probably text messages and, and, and audio files, right? So maybe, an, maybe a post-it note or, a, or a, an envelope, um, anything you could write some information on, I suppose would work, right? That's nice. I, I, I like the reason behind me drawing it normally as paper planes, it's because you know how sometimes you, you were writing messages in those and then you made a paper and then you send it to your friend like in the schoolroom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then what happens? So she needs to take those, those post-its and send them to, 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 to our, are we still calling it a server farm? Uh, so she needs to send those to the, uh, to the different barns, so to speak, uh, however our farm is arranged, she needs to say this, this, this post needs to go to bar number one, this goes to bar number two and so on and so forth. So then maybe like, this is Ona and this is Therus, right? Mm -hmm. And then maybe there are like little cars that they can put, uh, that the kid, maybe they still, you don't know where they are, right? Like where they're going. Mm -hmm. And then here, we maybe see one of those databases really big. And then we kind of see the, the, the car going with, and then here it says like, okay, the, the, the case voice message or something like that's mm -hmm. where you're, we have half the story. We have half. We're, uh, we're ready for the climax now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like past the, past the half of the story, it's the climax. Um, okay, so now the server. Okay, so, so what's the server? How's the how's server look like? Like, how would you say like, okay, Dad, and what's, what's the server like? like so in, in, in this case, with a voice message, the, the main task of the server is to store the message until it's delivered. It's not doing data processing per se. It's not transforming the message. It's not, you know, that, that all happens in some cases. You know, if we were talking about Amazon, we'd be processing a credit card transaction. We're not doing that here. We're just storing a message until it can be delivered. So it's, it's almost like a silo or, or a barn where you store some hay or some grain or something like that, or, okay. or a, a basket of apples or whatever analogy you wanna use. Okay, so um, I have an idea. Okay. Maybe this is the self-directed trolley with that voice message in here. And it lands into a room where there are more bits, right? Like mm -hmm. those are the ones actually doing those tasks. Okay, and then the voice message lands here, and then these are the zeros and ones. So now, uh, maybe I'm just thinking. Maybe if Alvaro is sleeping and he's sleeping and he's sleeping, and he never gets the message. So what a server will do is it will try periodically to to talk to Alvaro. It will try immediately. If he doesn't respond, it'll try again in five minutes. If it doesn't respond, maybe ten minutes. You know, it'll it'll try every few minutes to see if he's there. You know, when you go to places where there are like a lot of mountains and then sometimes there is like this place that you stop with the car, like to watch the views, mm -hmm. then maybe there's such a place. Each of them is in charge of one of these airplanes, paper planes, okay. uh -huh. right? And then they say like, okay, I'm sending it. And then this page is the whole story about that paper plane you know like going in and going back going in and this can be a very nice page how are we gonna finish the story let's finish the story that alvaro got the message okay and then they're playing i thought then maybe that beat it goes through a whole day so it starts okay. here in the morning 
And then again, like he's doing something else and he tried and he's doing something else and he tried and the clock is ticking until he sent it. And then he's here like happy and jumping because the message just landed. Oh. That's my 20 minute timer. How, how perfect is that? You how perfect is that? Okay, <laughs> this could be a story. Yeah. So the whole point about this exercise is that imagine to do this with kids, right? Like we've done it here, like with some help from the chat and uh, imagine what kids can make out of this. And I've been in, in many workshops like this already. And sometimes we end up drawing dinosaurs, right? Like okay. travel around computers. And then they have like a magic hat that pushes one button or pushes the other one. And then the computer goes dark or the computer goes loud. And you know, like there's fireworks and you know, like it can be whatever, right? And at the end of the day, that's fun. But what, I, what excites me about this, and I'm seeing it like, life with my kids right it's like you completely change the relationship that they have with technology so it's not anymore about this thing that they consume but they turn slowly into we help them slowly to see themselves as creators as well right and to give them a sense of belonging that this is fun and this is something for them here's my hope that this actually helps you to to create that connection with your little ones and also to do it like night by night, story by story, right? Like, uh -huh. and you never know if you're actually, you know, seeding something there yeah. and it's gonna flourish in. There's this game that uh, families love to play together during the workshops that I do with them. I do workshops with families and kids about between four and six, and they, we read the book together and also we play a game later on right away that help them to learn how to count in binary and uh, with kids that are as small as three years old, four years old, like right away. And uh, you can download it for free at terusanona.com slash tinydevops and download the PDF, play the game together and speak like a computer. Great. And uh, it comes with instructions and all that you need to print it out at home and start playing right away. It is a great complement to the books. And I usually do both in one sit with the kids. So first we read the first book in the series which is Welcome to Our World. And then right away, they say like, hey, do you want to talk like computers? Let's go do that, right? And we'll play the game. If you want to get the books, you can order a signed copy at perusanona.com and use Tiny DevOps in capital letters for a 16% discount. Worldwide, if you prefer, you can get the paperback edition via Amazon and some other online bookstores. The book series is already in four languages. Two books are out. The third one is coming in two, three months. There's a fourth one coming, um, which I'm very excited about, which is going to be like a dictionary. And it's going to be like a thick one. And it's going to have like tons of stories. And every page is going to be a one big room inside the computer. And Therus and Ona are doing something. So it is kind of like every night you go to the book, you open the page and you see what Therese and Anna have been doing for the whole day. Thank you so much um, for having me, Jonathan, for the people Thank in the chat, for, for the people who will see these 20 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed this as much as I did and you'd like to say hello, I'm on Twitter at Miriam Tocino and at Therese and Anna. And I'm also on LinkedIn, but uh, I also love email. So if you send me a line at, uh, throw me a line at miriam.perusanona.com, I'd love to connect. Wonderful.
So I, I have a question actually right off the top. What if you're what if you're trying to tell a story about load balancing and your 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 child gets distracted about a dinosaur and they and they completely just derail the, the explanation? What do you do? Do you just go with it and have a good time? Or do you try to bring them back in? It's like, no, actually that's 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 not how it works. Uh, you know, the, the dinosaur doesn't eat the computer and and uh, stomp on the Legos. You know, they're they're actually delivering a message. What what do you do? Or has that never been an issue? It's never been an issue, but this touch base with something that I am asked also quite usually, which is like, how educative should this be, Mm -hmm. right? And it is my experience as a learner my whole life that I only learn what I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I think that Perus and Ona should serve to get them passionate about. And to and let, have and let a, the details work themselves out later. I think so. Fo- focus on the passion. I think so. I think so. Especially in young in younger ages, right? Like there are studies, like I do a lot of research about this because the, the project really touches base with the lack of diversity in tech, right? And in other mm-hmm. STEM. Uh, and I get very, I get a lot of parents getting to me like with six-year-old daughters saying like, look, she already thinks that computers and robots and STEM subjects are for boys and they're not for them, right? And I believe that Antero Sanona focuses on those, on that age range, right? Like you can mm-hmm. start with kids as two, right? To see the zone, to, to see the pictures, to, to, to give them that sense of belonging that this is for them. And the sense of belonging comes when you let them dream about it, however they want, mm-hmm. right? Like it's this imaginarium where they can create whatever they want, right? Like, of course, like you can be educative at some point and Therus and Ona are educative in the sense that look, there are zero and a one living inside your computer in the binary world. And there are many parents out there that they even don't know that, right? Mm-hmm. So I said like, okay, me having worked as a, software developer and as a programmer for, for, for grown-ups, right? Like I was preparing people for tech jobs before I was doing that. How complex does this need to be? I could have made like, a, and, I, and I spent a lot of my time thinking about this thing when I started with Terus and Ona, right? Related to your question. So quick answer is focus on getting them passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, and cultivating that curiosity and uh, because at the end I think they will be the ones learning by themselves especially in the world that you know like and what we need to to, to teach is a way of learning rather mm-hmm. than to teach oh, definitely. Really, yeah know? how how can we apply these same principles when we're talking to other less children less less uh, you know more, more adult non-technical people it could be a maybe your boss or your spouse or a colleague or, or, or just somebody at a party that's what do you do for your living and you say i work with load balancing servers we don't want to go so low that we're talking about boomerangs uh, but we we don't want to go so high that we're still talking about tcpip networking stacks what do we do or maybe you have some resources that you can point us to that could, could help somebody who's struggling with this Okay, so uh, here I want to say that, um, okay, I'm coming from a very visual background, right? Like I'm a very visual person. And when I enter software develop, 
development, I needed a visual way to get into it. And having worked in those environments later on, I can see that there is a need for, for more visually <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of package information. And um, if you link visual, a visual approach with a storytelling, you wonder people. So I'd say like, maybe you could, you could stop in the, in the doodling, uh, in the doodling uh, phase that we did in the beginning, right? Wow. Like you could take a pen, you could always take a pen, even if people say like, but I'm not, a, uh, I'm not a artist, right? Like I don't draw and I, it's better than nothing. It's yeah. better than nothing. And I, I've seen, I've worked in companies where you could see, this breaks my heart because you could see people that they were feeling insecure because they didn't get the technical aspects right. And then they mm -hmm. had to depend on those developers that were building the things for them. And there's no need for that. Like you developer out there, tech person, get a pen, get a notebook, get a paper mm -hmm. and get over your insecurity as well, right? Of not being, you know, able to explain that thing and, and work together. Like there is like a big space in the tech industry for storytelling. Yeah. I think it would benefit us all if we start to, to tell some stories. How? Same principles apply. You start with something that they can relate to because otherwise if you start with like, no, it's load balancing, it's called load balancing. Eh, that's not a big idea. Right, like it's about. Do you remember when you send that thing to that thing? Okay, here's what happened, and your explanation was great, right? So it was like, you can call me, I'll be happy to sketch it for you. But you know, like if you can do it yourself, you know, that impromptu kind of meeting, uh, I think that's amazing. That would be amazing. That would be that would make the industry much more inclusive. Mm -hmm because you're making those tiny steps, you know, like each of us, it's in our power to make those tiny steps to, to make computers and technology less magic. You asked uh, in, in your email for the preparation about a couple of resources related to this, right? And I said, okay, I'm gonna mention a couple of them which caught my eye lately. One of them is that, because again, I believe that the tech industry could use would benefit a lot from adding a little bit of a storytelling also because normally with a storytelling there's this fun and more laid back you know kind mm -hmm. of environment and we could all benefit from that as well sure. so uh for that i like to refer to a couple of i'm looking for them a couple of resources so the first one is the work that um avital subeli if i'm pronouncing that right like she's uh, the work that she's doing she's a um, tech uh, storytelling trainer which I was like, yeah. does that even exist? It looks like it does. Apparently so. And then what she does, like she gave a workshop in the last conference that I talked to a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago, EMEA on Rails. It was a workshop about how to tell your story about tech. And the second one, uh, it came out this week. Um, her name is Kathy Cunningham. She's a, a researcher from Chicago, and she presented her paper called learning conversational programming by starting from code's purpose. And what she does is that she brings up another way to, to learn, to, to teach programming to their learners. 
and they she calls these learners like she works with a group of people she calls these learner conversational programmers which is okay. kind of similar to what we're talking about yeah. here which is like those people that care more about what code can achieve than how a programming language works you can also share the link to the paper and she has a youtube video as well that she releases so she focuses on the code's purpose which is you could also call the code story right and mm -hmm. and that's how i that's why it made me think about uh, my days as a teacher because i used to say every time that we were debugging a program together and with some of the students i would normally say okay let's step out of your computer tell me the story that you're writing i did mm -hmm. that all the time well, tell me who is that person who is this person coming where is this person coming from where's this person going right and then once we have the story line up in words we'll jump into the computer we look at the code that she's written and i said like look now tell me the story in the code and jonathan 80 percent of the time we got it we're over time thank you so much to everybody who joined uh, thank you again, Miriam, for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you so much, Jonathan, for jumping in and saying yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Everybody, cheers. Until next time. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for joining. If you enjoy this content, but you don't want to wait a week for the next episode, subscribe to my daily mailing list at jhall.io daily.